Today we're talking to Kevin K.D. Dorsey, VP of Inside Sales at PatientPop, about the formula for writing a winning cold email. Cold email is interesting because there's a lot of formulas for cold emails, and it's you know, it's all like, you know, it's copywriting at the end of the day with a very specific purpose of, you know, usually landing a meeting with someone. And with copywriting, I mean, there's all, I mean, just look at how many different kinds of books there are in different formats of TV shows and all of that stuff. And if we're using Netflix as an example, there's a lot of different formats of TV shows and movies that you can watch that are entertaining. There's documentaries, there's stand-up, there's actual movies, right? There's short stories, short films, there's all kinds of different stuff. And, and cold email is very similar in terms of the structure in which there's a lot of ways to accomplish the same thing. And one thing I'm really excited to dig into today is, is one of those formulas. And this, this is where I think that there's a lot of content that's actually missing with prospecting is they don't really dig into very many formulas for writing cold emails. And the reason why you want a formula is because it makes it repeatable, right? It's something that you can go in and do, uh, for the most part, the same exact way every time and then personalize it for the person that you're reaching out to. Uh, But before we dig into that, my name is Jason Bay. If you're listening to the podcast for the first time, I'm the host of Blissful Prospecting and my goal with this show is to help you think outside the script with your prospecting efforts and share proven tactics and strategies to help you land meetings with your ideal clients. Today we're talking to KD. So he's inside sales at Patient Pop, a VP of inside sales, excuse me, and he's really just one of the go-to people in this industry when it comes to cold outreach, since that's primarily what he focuses on in his role in leading people and teaching other people how to do it. That's the other thing that really is interesting to me is there's a lot of people that know how to do it well, but there aren't are even fewer people that, um, you know, can actually teach it. So we're going to dig into that today. And this is essentially going to be a masterclass on how to write great cold emails This is an audio excerpt from the Think Outside the Script Summer Virtual Tour. So if you want the webinar version of this, make sure to check it out out, at tour.blissfulprospecting.com. And there's a replay section there where you can check it out. But that's it. I am uh, excited for you to, to check this out. There should be a lot of stuff that you take away from here. What's your favorite? I know you're a big reader. What have you been reading uh, recently? Um, So I'm just finishing Buddha and the Badass. Um, by Vishen Lakiani. He's the CEO and founder of Mind Valley, um, cool. which is one of the top places to work in the world. They've built an amazing culture over there and so really enjoy his writing style and storytelling. So Buddha and the Badass, um, really good. Just finished Alchemy, which is phenomenal, yeah. which talks about, you know, how illogical human beings are when it comes to decision making yep. and purchasing, which is a great read. So nah, man, like always, always trying to absorb so I can then try to share it out with everybody else. Yeah. I know you're big on psychology as well, which, uh, which I'm excited to get into some of that stuff with, you know, prospecting and emailing. Uh, I just started, I know people have been talking about it a lot, but never split the difference. Mm-hmm. Just actually started reading some of that and it's got some good stuff. Mostly a lot of the stuff at the beginning of the book <laughs> around yeah. empathy. I learned through therapy actually. So yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. got that stuff in it. But <laughs> so, so I love the book and I love Voss and there's definitely some, yeah. actually I'm going to talk about it a little bit in the slides, you know, for people that are jumping on. But one of the things that people forget about with that book is when it comes to negotiation, 
Mm-hmm. It implies that there's something both sides want. Exactly. Yep. And until you make the prospect want what you have, there is no negotiation. Yep. Right. So some of the tactics in there, they work if you and I are trying to come to some sort of agreement. Mm-hmm. But if I'm just trying to get your attention, if we don't have a relationship yet, some of those tactics actually don't work. Well, it's right? going to be really so awkward. That, <laughs> right. It's like, you know, like the, the how questions and like the yeah. specific numbers and like some of like the going for the nose. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. like going, going for the no is important. But there's yeah. also places where, especially when it comes to prospecting, you want to be careful with going for yep. the no if you make it too easy. Right. So actually, I have a slide in here like that talks a little bit about this as an example. But I love that that book. And it's really, really good because it starts to break things down. But people do take it too far sometimes. Go like, OK, yeah. well, then I'm going to do this when I'm prospecting. It's like, well, hold on. Like, hold on. Yeah, <laughs> you got to make them want it first. So, you know, it's, it's funny. There's so much good stuff out there. I think that's one thing that I wish more salespeople did was just read. Read, consume, learn, because you'll learn things about people that you can then use when you're prospecting. I love it, man. Hey, we got a bunch of people hopping in. Hit the poll, you guys. Let us know what what you guys want to hear about. We're going to kind of customize the talk a little bit today. He's got some slides. And hit the chat. You guys let us know who you are, where you're coming from. Lindsay, Rajon, Gary, Sue. I've seen you guys on like every webinar so far. What's up, Chris? Got people from the UK. Israel. And I already see someone um, ask the, the question on the alchemy book. So the name of the alchemy book is Alchemy, the Dark Art and Curious Science of Creating Magic. And it's Ooh. by Rory, Rory Sutherland. The Rory Dark Arts. Sutherland. The Dark Arts and Curious Science of Creating Magic in Brands, Business, and Life. It's good. Really good. And, and Damien. Damien, I'm trying. Yeah. Twenty twenty's been rough, man. See, I gotta, I gotta keep it buzzed because otherwise, it's too obvious with the grays and the balding. So I'll take it, man. Shoot, I needed that today. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah, keep saying hi, guys. We'll get started here like in a minute to let some last minute people pour in. Um, hit the polls. Let us know where you come from. Super excited for this. Kevin is one of my go to resources when it comes to basically everything prospecting, you know, and sales development and the psychology behind it. And uh, getting more than just a tactic of what to say in a cold call, you know, actually getting some of the why behind it. But we'll get started here about 30 seconds or so. Keep saying hi. We got Mark coming in from Ireland. And we'll kick it off here in just a couple seconds here. Let's more people come in. What was the name of the book again? Um, Alchemy. I just put the link in the, the chat. Oh, you um, did. Okay. But also the other one, um, Buddha and the Badass. I'll throw that one in the um, chat as well. There we go. Richard asked what I'm drinking. It's decaf coffee, actually. I've been trying to go more decaf in the afternoons so I don't, uh, so I don't crash. Um, hey, let's get started, Kevin. So yeah, you think they're ready? I don't know that they're ready. I think <laughs> they're just they're just here to talk us talk to us for a little bit here. So you know, whatever. <laughs> um, so real quick, you guys hit that poll if you haven't yet. And just a reminder again, some of you guys are already starting to use the Q and A button, but that's where to put the questions. They'll get lost in the chat. I mean, there's just a ton of people saying hi. So make sure to click on that Q and A button there at the bottom of your screen. That's where you'll put the questions in. And I'm super excited for this talk because. 
you know, cold email is one of those things that people really want to know about. And with uh, Kevin and what he's going to be going into, it's really, you know, he's going to talk about structure. He's going to talk about psychology. He's going to talk about cadence. We're going to talk about a bunch of stuff. But the reason why I wanted to get Kevin on the tour is for a couple of reasons. One, like I said before, super knowledgeable and has the experience to back it up. But he also really believes in focusing on the person and salesperson, which I think is super cool. And he has experience building teams from zero to 150 reps, zero to $75 million and counting. And he really believes in processes and systems paired with skill development as like that code to success. So Kevin, KD, what's up, man? Super excited to have you on. I'm I'm ready, my man. It's been a long time coming. I think when we spoke, it was almost like two months ago. I was like, yeah, like yeah. I'll do this. And then like, I was like, wait, when is it? You know, it just kept it <laughs> way out in the future. And so like, I forget about it because so much has even changed since our original conversation. But no, man, I'm excited for this. I think, especially I wanted to switch the topics. I talk a lot about cold calling. I talk a lot about scripting. I thought it'd be really cool to flip that a little bit and go, let's talk about the email side of the house too, because this is a tool that can be used the right way when done the right way. And so that's what I'm hoping to dive into. So let me get my screen. Actually, can you um, let me share my screen? Yeah, here, give me just a second. There you go. One, I think good primer for this, Kevin, that if you don't mind digging into it, why do you think that emails are so hard for people to write? (laughs) Well, I mean, just like all things in life, they weren't taught. Yeah. So that's something that I come back to often, even with my own team. Who taught any salesperson actually how to write a good email? When in college were we actually taught direct response marketing? When were we actually taught copywriting? When were we taught how to tell a story? We've never been taught those things. So that's what's hard. And then we sit in front of the screen, we get to writing, we go, um, okay, what am I going to write? And then we put our salesperson persona on, we write some crap that we would never write to anybody else. That's why. And that's what I'm hoping to fix here. Right. So now, Jason, I can't see the chat. So if things are coming in, definitely let me know what those questions are so I can bang them out as we we go. Yep. And we will rock here. So Arjo, winning cadence and email copy. We're going to move quick on this. I'm going to try to move fast so that I can make sure that I have time for questions at the end. But if things pop up, throw them, hit Jason with them so he can hit them um, over to me right away. So I want to start with this, like what the point of a cadence or an email is, right? And I'm going to cover cadences a little bit here too, but I think just reminding people what the point of an email is, is the right place to start, right? The first point of an email is to build awareness. It's to build awareness, make them aware of you, your company, your mission. Then it's name recognition, that they start to recognize the name, right? When you're prospecting, they don't know you. They do not know you. In order to build a relationship, proximity matters, right? And this is actually something, another great read. When I talk about prospecting, the artist seduction. Mm -hmm. Talks about proximity is one of the first keys to building any sort of relationship is you need to be around the individual and be around them often. Email is one of the ways to be around them and be around them often. Another point of the email is to build curiosity, to start a conversation, then it's about action of booking a meeting. But so many people out there right now are just trying to book meetings through email, which you can do, but at a much lower rate if you skip those first four steps of this, right? You need to slow down to speed up. And I want this to sink into everyone listening. Slowing down 
and building awareness, recognition, curiosity, getting a conversation started is the key to booking a meeting. I'll probably say this a few times in this presentation, but if it was easy as just saying, hey, Jason, could I put 20 minutes on your calendar to learn about your goals? If it were that easy, I wouldn't need salespeople. I could just load that email up into to Marketo and just blast it out and just wait for the appointments to come back. It doesn't work that way, right? And the other point of email with cadences is they compound on each other and they compound better than cold calling. Cold calls don't tend to compound. The last cold call you made to me doesn't make this cold call any better. But the last email you sent to me can make the next email better, which can make your call better. So it's first starting with the point of an email. Awareness, recognition, curiosity, starting a conversation, then getting some sort of action. And we're actually going to talk about some different types of actions you're trying to get people to take, right? Now, here's why email is so important, okay? First of all, it's direct access, right? You aren't dealing with the gatekeeper. You aren't dealing with phone trees. You aren't dealing with trying to navigate around. It is direct access to the person you are trying to reach out to. And by the way, a lot of what I'm going to cover today can also be used for social in terms of like the messaging and the structures and things like that, but it's direct access. All right. Next email has a longer tail. And what I mean by that is I can send a good email on Monday and it can get opened on Wednesday. It can get opened again on Friday. It can be read more. It can be forwarded. A cold call that no one answers doesn't have a tail. They can't come back to it. A cold call that is answered, right? And they say, oh, like, you know what? I'm not interested. Click. Has no tail. There's no legacy there. Whereas well-written emails have a tail. They hang around longer. So you get more of that um, kind of like, like retro action where people can come down the road if you're doing it well. You can tell stories via email. They're easier to adapt and track. This is great because also too, we're going to talk optimization. If you find out language that's working well via email, where else can you use it, Jason? Oh, cold calls, LinkedIn, and you can use it everywhere. Right. That's what people forget with emails. If you find what's resonating there, you can take that same message and have it resonate in other channels. So it's easier to adapt and track here. It helps support all the other channels. Email makes your cold calls better. Email makes your direct mail better. Email makes your social better. It supports all the other channels, right? And you need to have an and mentality, not an or mentality, right? It's not do I call or do I email? Do I email or do I social? It's an and mentality. You need to call and email, and social, and direct mail, and face-to-face, and video. It's an and mentality, not an or. So I don't want anyone watching this taking this as a reason of, man, KD sent make an email sound good. Forget cold calling. I'm out. I'm just going to become a professional emailer. Uh-uh. No, that's not what I'm saying. This is your foundational piece that makes everything else better, right? You find that it works, uh, KD, the other way too, where some of the language that you hear from people in cold calls and on LinkedIn, are you kind of treating the emails instead of as a static sequence? It's like, Hey, this is a working document that always gets better improved over time. Absolutely. And one of the last slides here is about optimization and how you can optimize your messaging, right? Because you should be right. The only difference there with cold calling versus emailing is the amount of data you get, right? Mm -hmm. If you're say you're prospecting VPs of sales, right? If you're making a hundred calls a day, you might get two of me on the phone, Yep. right? That's only two data points to work off of, 
right? And so it can be challenging sometimes to put it back, but um, we're going to talk about how to get some of the language, how to get in your prospect's head a little bit better. But I want to start with this, research, because God damn it, reps. Just, oh, sorry. I'm going to try to keep the cussing down. Um, Use as much as you'd like, dude. Oh, okay, I, I've, I've been using well, it. Careful, careful <laughs> as much as I want to. I'm going to try to keep this relatively PG. But here's what happens, right? We'll spend forever researching to write one email. And we don't hear back. And then we have to research again to send the next email. No, 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 no. This is going to be my first tip to you here. You are going to do research once. You get 60 minutes, one time to do this research. One time. You're going to research the company you're going after. And you're going to look at their goals and their missions, their executive leadership, quotes, their website, LinkedIn. Is there anything that that company has said that you can pull back into what your product does? right? Uh, you know, patient pop, that's an easy one, right? Because we're going after doctors. So we can see what they're saying on their website. Say you sell an HR tool. Do they talk about their employees anywhere on their website? Say you sell a safety type product. Do they talk about safety anywhere on their website, anywhere across it? Glassdoor is another great place to go when you're researching companies. Does anyone ever complain about the thing that you saw? right? But you research the company one time and you go deep on what you'll use. Okay. That's the other thing, especially as you go higher up on like some of the enterprise prospecting, you can find all sorts of information that you don't use, right? You can know what their revenue was last quarter. You can know their, their P&L. You can know their mission for next year, but you don't use it to prospect. They're not like, oh, wow, you know, our publicly given information. Good for you. Now I want a meeting, right? Get stuff that you'll use on the company. Then you have to research your persona. And this is where you go through something called the buyer's matrix, the buyer's matrix by Jill Conrad. It's in her book, Snap Selling. It's a free download. Go get it. But you should do this research on every single persona. If we had more time, I'd walk you through it. But this is gold right here. Research your persona, right? And it talks about like what their goals are, how they're measured, right? And this isn't about like SMB Sam and Enterprise Eddie. Like this is really getting to know your persona. And then doing a problem implication chart. And this is from Gap Selling from Keenan. Same idea. You really need to get into the head of your prospect and knowing what their world is like. Then you research the person. You go to their LinkedIn, their Twitter, you Google them, right? And one, one thing that does frustrate me, and I'll put this mini rant out, Jason, how hard is it to find information on me? If you're prospecting me, how hard is it to find information on me? You know, go to your LinkedIn page and click on activity and just look at what you're posting. You do 15 okay. seconds. Right. You could find any webinar. I've been on podcasts. I have my own podcast. I've written articles, posts, but I don't even get good personalized contact. People don't even use good personalized outreach to me and I'm easy to find, which lets me know that the people that aren't as easy to find aren't getting good personalized information. Go study the person you're going after, but salespeople, put it in your CRM. Put all of this in your CRM, put it into Salesforce or whatever you use. You only have to do your research once. This is where you're building your personalization for all the emails that you're going to send later. Research one time, update it and go. One uh, quick thing on this, KD, because I noticed a lot of people, they're like, hey, I'm getting hung up. I'm going down a rabbit hole. Like, do you set like a, do you your reps like set timers or anything like that? How do you keep them productive and not like going down a rabbit hole too? Oh. <laughs> I love one it. Task. Yeah. Stay focused. <laughs> one task. Okay. But when I say 60 minutes, I mean 60 minutes, right? Because also too, if it's too hard to find, 
it's not worth finding. Right? I'll say that again. Like if you really have to dig on the company to find anything that adapts to your product, it means it's not top of mind and it's not something that's actually going to stand out to them. But if you sell a safety product and one of their core values is employee safety, that should be very easy to find, right? So avoid the rabbit hole, but time yourself, right? Because also sales reps, we, this is the, the curse that I was a sales rep too. So I know you start researching and you get distracted. Your phone comes up. You're like, oh, research sucks. Let me hop into Slack a little bit. Oh, like what's happening on Twittergram? Oh, Twittergram's popping off right now. Oh, back to the research. And it takes too long. 60 minutes, one time, get it done. Okay. A couple quick questions on this because we got people asking. Ah. Um, do you store this information in the CRM when you're doing the research or do you put it in your sales engagement tool? Like, how are you gathering the information typically? C- CRM for sure. And like, okay. and to a point, like, as a leader, like, I put some of these as fields in my ah, CRM. Yeah. Right. So that way it's trackable because if it's just in the notes, it's hard. But like, so the foundational things that you know you want to know about your prospects, they should be fields because then you can start to like pull reports on that and see like what types of prospects are doing better based off what you can find. So the CRM for sure. And then if you're using a good sales engagement program, it should be able to pull from your CRM to do things. Got it. There you go, James Jennings. And one other question that Vlad asked and I'm seeing in the chat too is around, so if I spend that time doing an hour research, that's going to be for the three to five people that I might be reaching out to at that company, right? I'm doing all of that research. It's going to do everything for everyone that would ever reach out to in the future for that company. Correct. And you guys will be shocked if you just did it, right? If you were going after Jason and you said, okay, Jason Bay, Google, Jason Bay on LinkedIn, you looked at his posts, you go on Twitter, right? It doesn't actually take that long if you just focus on that one thing, right? And then that's it, right? Who are they connected to? And you put it all in and you move on, right? That's the key to it is build it one time. So you're not wasting time on every other email that you have to send later. One last follow-up on that because people are asking around the time too. If someone's doing something more transactional, let's say it's got a $10,000 ACV kind of situation, are they going to shorten that time accordingly? Is it a range at that point? Because I know you kind of have worked in like patient pops, a fairly transactional sale or is it more enterprise or a mix of both or what? So patient pop is more transactional. Mm -hmm. There's just shorter things to look for. Yeah. But it's knowing what you're looking for, right? So my reps are looking for, okay, Website page speed, where they show up for their key services, what are the three key services they do, what does their reputation and review look like, what's their schema, what's their competitive scan look like, do they have online booking? Gotcha. Yeah. Right? Like you actually don't need that much, but those are the things we can use. We can use that when we're going after the people we're going after. Right. And that's what's interesting. Enterprise versus SMB is actually easier to find information on enterprise companies because there's more people, there's more access points. Bob's podiatry. How active on LinkedIn do you think Bob from Bob's podiatry is? <laughs> Probably <Okay>. not. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. So it's actually even harder to find some on some of the smaller companies. Right. So know what matters. That's back to the headline research you can use. What actually matters when you're trying to do these prospects? So that's what you're going for. All right, which transitions into this WWYCS. WWYCS. All right, if we had a quick poll to see who could guess this off the top of my head that hasn't heard me talk about it before, but you can, am I in the chat? Has anyone got it yet? What are the things it stands for? WWYCS? Anyone get it yet? Nope. No one. What would your customer say? 
Boom. What would yep. your customer <laughs> Good job, guys. Who won the <laughs> what would your customer say? And I want to start with this before we get into the emails. Don't worry, y'all. I'll get to the emails. Stay patient. But I'm trying to lay your foundation here on how to write good emails. If it's not a word or term you've ever heard them say, stop saying it. Do you know how many emails I get? They're like, hey, we have a multi-tiered, triple engaged, encrypted, groundbreaking, disruptive, innovative tool that is now the leading game changer in people-based sales engagement. <laughs> what? Like, I, I have never said that ever in my life, <laughs> right? And so what I tell people is you want to do the long day at work test. If you can't picture your prospect sitting down after a long day of work, pouring a whiskey, taking a deep breath and going, God, I wish I had a, that is how they talk about your product. God, I wish I had a, or I'm so tired of dealing with, that's what your customer would say, right? So what I encourage people, and by the way, Patient Pop went through this. When I got to Patient Pop, people were calling it a practice growth platform. Guess what no orthopedic surgeon has ever sat down after a 10-hour day of surgery, poured a scotch, took a deep breath, and sat down and got, God, I wish I had an all-in-one platinum growth platform. <laughs> okay, It's so like, funny when you put it like that, but that's exactly what we do when <laughs> we reach out to people who so use all this weird language. So this is what you need to do. I encourage everyone listening, you need to go interview at least 20 to 30 customers, and here's what you need to ask. How do you describe your product? Why did you buy what problems were you hoping to solve? What's gotten better since buying? What were you nervous or afraid of before buying? Who almost prevented you from buying? And how do you describe what we do to another doctor, to another VP, right? Go ask 30 customers these questions. And if I stopped this presentation right now, your emails would already be better because you would know how to describe your product. You would know why people actually are buying your product because a lot of salespeople don't actually even know that. They know what problems they were trying to solve. They know the results. They know the unspoken objections, right? What are the unspoken objections? You can start eight miling that and putting that into your emails. I know you might be afraid of how hard this is to get 100 people to switch over to, but I thought it'd be cool if you read how Jason did it for his team. Right. You can do the unspoken objections even in your emails. Right. Yeah. And how do you describe it? Go, I hope y'all grab screenshots of this. Like I think we're sharing the deck afterwards or maybe I'll charge 500 bucks for it. And see. <laughs> well, it. they're at least getting the replay uh, afterwards. Right, so. There we go. Right. Take this. Go talk to 30 customers. Write these answers down and you'll be shocked at how much better your email game gets because of this. Which leads me to this problem over product. When you are doing your emailing and your prospecting, you have to focus on the problems you solve, not the product. Talking about your product or talking about a better future does not work. It doesn't work because they can't picture it. They can't envision it. They are in the now, right? So if you're like, my product can 3X your pipeline, okay? Cool story, bro. You don't know my pipeline, first of all. Mm -hmm. Second, People don't change for the future. They change because something's off now. You don't need a lot of evidence to see that human beings don't think about the future very well. We all have goals. We all have aspirations. We all think we do things for the future, but for the most part, we do things because of where we're at right now. And that's where you have to shift your messaging is talking about where they're at right now. What are the real problems they're dealing with now? What are the potential problems they could be dealing with if they don't use your product? This goes into your emails, your voicemails, your video, 
right? So someone's coming after me. KD, our groundbreaking, innovative, disruptive prospecting tool help you 5X your pipeline in half the time versus KD, you're a VP, so you know how hard it is to get over 100 reps to follow a process. And if you have 100 reps doing things 100 different ways, how easy is that for you to scale and hit your numbers? We might have a way to help you with that. And we solve it by X, Y, Z. Let me know if you want to chat about this. Totally different conversation, right? Because that is real. You telling me 3X pipeline is not real. That's figurative. That's in the future. Not able to get people to follow a process that is real. And that is now. That's how you start a conversation. So are you focused on essentially, I love this, by the way, don't change for the future. Like people change because of right now. Are you essentially looking at like thinking about what someone might want in aspiration, aspiration, excuse me, in the future, and then sort of backtracking into, well, what would be holding them back from that right now? And it sounds like this is a much more, it's a much more tactical thing that they're doing. It's not some number that they're managing. It's like an actual problem they encounter at a specific instance in time almost with this. Is that sort of where you're going with it? Yes. And that's where the buyer's matrix comes in. That's one of the questions, right? Is like the change inhibitors, how they're measured on success. But where a lot of people go wrong is they don't actually know the problems their product solves. Yeah. They know what the product does, but they don't know the problems that they solve. So here's your exercise. Take the benefits of your problem. What's the opposite? Sorry, take the benefits of your product. What's the opposite, right? So Jason, what do you sell? Training and coaching, sales training Training and and coaching. coaching. Okay. What's the benefit of training and coaching? Well, I mean, one of those things is motivation for reps, like them wanting to prospect, them feeling good about cold calling and wanting to do the activities that their manager just has trouble getting them to do. There we go. So the benefit is motivated reps. So what's the opposite? Unmotivated reps. Mm -hmm. KD, do you notice your reps are having a harder and harder time picking up the phone? Yeah. Do they know what to do, but they just can't seem to get themselves to do it? Do they look at that phone and it weighs 500 pounds and every day you have to talk to them about activity? If that sounds like your world, we should talk because the way we train isn't just on tactics, it's also around motivation and getting your reps to want to make those calls. Can you imagine what that would look like? Give me a call if this is something you'd like to chat about a little bit further. I love that. And one thing I want to point out too, because someone's asking Fazan, what do you do when you're selling services? Like we just gave an example of that. It sounds like it's the same, same sort of deal. Same, right? What's the benefit of your service? And then what's the opposite, right? Here's what a lot of people will say. They sell a service. And one of the most common things people do with services, like we save you time. Okay. Saving time doesn't get people to really make changes. But if Mm -hmm. you can tell them what all the time they're wasting, that's different, right? Yeah. I, whatever, what's a service? I, I clean your house. I clean your house. I clean houses. Come home to a sparkling clean house versus how does it feel to come home from a 10-hour workday and see the house in shambles, right? Are you even doing your best work when you know you got 10 piles of laundry you still have to do before you can finally relax that night? I could help take that off your shoulders different conversation yeah. than I just helped save you time, right? Is, so this is what you have to focus on. Is this playing into the loss aversion element yeah. of this? Yeah. Well, not, that's a, a little bit. So a little bit of loss aversion, but it's not loss aversion if they have it, right? No one, yeah. no one has a problem with losing a problem, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not loss aversion. 
as much as like not being included in something. So loss aversion can come in if like they are losing something and you can help them get it back. Right. But that's also why a lot of people don't make a change. And I, we got what over nice. We got about 350 people on here right now. I'd be willing to bet if I pulled, you could do a poll. This actually really be a fun poll. Can you do an on the spot poll? How many people have stayed in a relationship longer than they should have, even though they knew they should have left? Just put a yes in the chat, you guys, because I can't many, do a poll from how here. How <laughs> many people have stayed in a relationship longer than they should have, even though they knew they should have left? Yeah. Okay. Right. You could talk better future all you want, but until the now is hard enough and the fear of losing that individual is outweighed yeah. by the negative, people stay. People have products all the time too. Oh, I bet there's a lot of yes. A lot of broken hearts out there, KD. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Shoot, we all been there. Okay. So then this is what I want to hit on next, right? Is what do you do, right? What do you do? So we're going to get rid of that BS type. Oh, like we are a groundbreaking, innovative like company that does X, Y, Z. What do you do? You know how problem. So you know how a lot of reps don't hit their activity numbers, which causes them not to hit their pipeline numbers. That can cause missed revenue, low motivation, high turnover. We solve that by not only teaching them how to do it, but how to do it the right way and how to do it in a way that doesn't suck their soul out. That way they can be motivated, hit their numbers and be a happier salesperson. How are you motivating your team to make cold calls right now. That's what you do. This even in itself is an email that you could send. Yeah. Right. This is how you describe what you do. Right. And you need to know this before you can possibly write an email, because if you believe what you do is digitize the therapeutic industry, cool. No one talks like that except for you. Right. So this is how you need to describe what you do. And even this in itself could be an email. All right. So I'm hoping people are picking up what I'm putting down right now in terms of the research, getting to know your personas and your prospects better and focusing on the problem and what you do to solve it. Because now we got to start talking emails. Now we got to say, okay, so now you know these things. But honestly, and Jason and I were talking about this the other day, I almost thought about just stopping here. Mm-hmm. Because the moment I start showing email examples, people are going to say, oh, okay, I'm going to go copy yeah. that email. And it's like, that's not going to work. I want to start. If you just go and copy what I start to show you, it will not work because it's not done based off your industry, your personas, your companies and how they talk. So I want to be very clear on that, but I'm gonna give you some frameworks on what to look for and how to do things the right way. I got one quick question for you, Katie, around this problems, because this seems to be like the really big, and I've heard you talk about this a lot like really nailing those problems for someone that's maybe never done a customer interview before. And Navraj is asking this, like, what's the incentive for the customer to sit down with me and actually have this conversation? So that's just fear getting in the way. Mm-hmm. If your customers are happy with you, they'll do it. Yep. They'll, they'll do it. You only need 20 or 30, by the way. Right. And before anyone jumps, it's like, well, what if I don't have customers yet? What if I'm starting? Then go interview a hundred of your personas. You don't actually have to incentivize them. If you reach out to a hundred, say you're going after VPs of sales and you reach out to a hundred of me and say, I'm new to the industry. I'm trying to learn what goes on in the day of the life of a VP of sales. I have six or seven questions I'd love to ask you. It'll only be 15 minutes, I promise you. No pitching, no follow-up, no selling. I won't even mention my product. I'm just trying to learn and was hoping you could help. Kevin. 
and you go send that to 100, 150, 200, however many it takes to go get 20 or 30 people that say, sure. And they will. You'll be very surprised. Don't let fear get in the way. And they'll respect that hustle too. I mean, that's a big part of it. And you actually might get some sales calls out of it actually so doing that. You, I'm just telling y'all, you will. You think you talk to 50 VPs, you don't think one of them might go, so what do you do? Yep. Okay, so first of all, you better know how to answer that based off the slides we just went through. But second, you say, no, no. Jason, I promised you, this wasn't about selling. This was about learning. I'm, I'm happy to show you what we do, but only for feedback. I don't, I don't want to sell to you because that would break the trust and relationship I feel that we have right now. They say, yeah, show me what you got. Okay, <laughs> there you go, right? And if they're not interested, like, hey, like, who do you think would be interested in, right? Like, you can do so much, but don't let fear hold you back. And it's also a great place for a new rep to start because there's no pressure. You're not trying to sell. You're just learning. You're just talking, and that's the key to it. Cool. Right. So cadence steps, I'm going to breeze through here, but here's what's important. Don't just rely on email. Salesloft did this study, right? If you only go one channel, email only was 77% less productive than a multi-touch cadence. Call only was 91% lower if you were only calling. If you were only calling compared wow. to a 12 to 16 touch multi-channel cadence, 90% less effective. Okay, so I hope y'all see this. You have to do all the channels. They work together. They work together. That is very, very important to remember. So, but messaging beats everything. Email calls. If you got bad emails, it doesn't matter. You got bad scripts, it doesn't matter. You do bad social, it doesn't matter, the channel. If you got bad messaging, it won't matter. You have to nail your messaging and that's what we're getting into. So just a few do's and don'ts in your cadences. You pitch the meeting, not the product. If you could sell your product through email, you don't need salespeople, okay? Buyer-focused, you, your team, your company, your goals, not I and we. Low risk, be transparent versus 30 minutes on your calendar next week. Direct and conversational versus long, wordy, adjective-type emails. But I'm going to touch on this because you can write a good long email. There's no such thing in life as long and short. There's only interesting and uninteresting, valuable and unvaluable. Yep. Okay? If I weren't doing an okay job presenting right now, people would have left already. It's been 30 minutes. We got most people still on here right now. But if I had been talking about the latest episode of Desperate Housewives, <laughs> people would have been off this call after five minutes. I don't even know yeah. if that's a show anymore, to be honest. I don't know I don't why know that's where. <laughs> but you get what I'm saying. Well, you're in Southern California, so it makes sense. <laughs> Who knows, dude? Who knows? I've never watched that show in my life. All right, so let's start to get into email writing now. Okay, so... Email writing 101. Stop sounding like a damn salesperson. I hope I covered this already. Okay. If you read that email and you go, Ugh, right? If you read that email, go like, how would I respond if I got this email? Right. If you're using words that your customers don't use, if you're putting on the salesperson persona when you write that email, stop it. Sound like a person because you are prospecting a person. Think text messages. Think how you would text somebody. Right. If you knew me, would you text me, hey, KD, I have a new, latest, groundbreaking, innovative product that I think will revolutionize your life versus, hey, KD, I remember you telling me a while back you were struggling with this. I actually might have a way to help with that. Could we talk? Think text message, right? But also think text message in terms of spacing. How do you feel when you get a text message that is like one block of text? It's just a blur. 
when you look at you it. Can't, you can't read it. Same yeah. with that. Break up your emails, right? People love to give me some crap on LinkedIn. They're like, why is there always spacing in your posts? Because it makes it easier to read. Next question. <laughs> right? It's just, it's, it's just proof. Yeah. It's just science. Like, there's nothing yeah. wrong with that. It makes it it's easy science. to read. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, what do you want from me? Like, oh, all the white space. Oh, you read it. Yeah. Care, right? Phone, same idea. It's on a phone. Space it out when you're doing this. The first sentence matters more than the subject line. I'll say this again. The first sentence matters more than the subject line. You'll notice this now. Everyone listening, how you read an email, especially on your phone, you go sender, first sentence, subject. You can read the first sentence and a half on your phone without even opening the email. This is also why sending multiple emails over time matters so they recognize your name. But that first sentence, that's very important. So that first sentence is, hey, Jason, I was hoping to find time on your calendar so that we could discuss your latest gone. Yep. That's gone. every email. Already. I oh, mean, I I'm sure you've done it, right? Where you take screenshots of your inbox just to show your reps and you're like, every email starts with, I wanted to, my name is, I'd like mm-hmm. to, you know, right. everything. And I'll show, don't worry, I'm going to show you some examples, right? But that first sentence is what gets the open. And now before anyone goes, oh, well, open rates are a vanity metric. Okay. First of all, every metric is a vanity metric if all you do is look at it. Okay. Mm-hmm. But second of all, here's a fun poll. How many of you have ever responded to an email you didn't open? Quick poll. Hmm. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. You, you, you responded to an email that you didn't open. Interesting. Let me know how that worked out. Yep. Okay. The open is what gets the response. You've got to get it open before they can respond to it. It's that first sentence, curiosity, interest, talking about them. That's it. Breaking the small digestible sentences. Tell a story with some emotion. Bring some emotion out when you're sending these emails with one call to action. It cannot be read this article, watch this video, give me a call. That's three calls to action. There needs to be one call to action. What's the one thing you want me to do? And it's not always respond, by the way. And I'll give some examples here in a second. Sometimes I don't want a response. You know what I want? I want to click. Can I get them to click? Because if I get them to click, that's engagement. And if I can get them to click to my website, now I can drop a cookie. So now what's following them everywhere? Now my ads are following them everywhere while now I'm emailing. Now they see patient pop everywhere, right? I know there's different laws and rules depending on your country and state, but if you can get someone to agree to that cookie, now you can follow. So here's a framework, right? And this is one that Patricia McLaren over at RevShop and I have worked on together, but a very simple framework, okay? One to four words in the subject line. Hi, KD, relevant and timely personalization, right? So what's relevant, right? Don't just say, hey, I saw you went to the University of Wisconsin. Me too. You know how many people have gone to the University of Wisconsin? We ain't boys. Like, I don't know you. It doesn't mean anything. Relevant personalization, timely personalization, right? That first sentence, because if you put it there, that's what gets me to open. Value one-liner. This can be the, what do you do? Hey, so as a VP, you might be struggling with this and with this and with this. We help solve that in a few pretty interesting ways. Credibility. You know, we've helped Jason do it. We've helped Justin do it. We've helped Scott do it. Those are all a bunch of your peers. Might be worth looking into. Call to action. Can we hop on a quick call? See if it's even worth you looking into. Watch this video. See what you think. Read this article and ask your team these questions. Short 
sweet. And you can write a bunch of these types of emails, right? With the research that you did early on. Here's another framework. And I honestly, I wish I could come up with a different framework here, but it's KDFIC. The KD was not on purpose, y'all. I promise you. I wasn't that narcissistic that I'm like, you know what? I'm going to create an email formula where the first two letters are my letters. So before you go and blast me on LinkedIn, it wasn't on purpose. It just happened. All right. Leave me alone. Okay. But it stands for this. No. Here's what I know about you, your team, or your industry. Here's what I know about you. Here's what I did or am I doing because of what I know. Here's what I found. Here's the impact of what I found. Here's the call to action. Right? So if Jason was coming after me, KD, I know how hard it is to keep reps motivated on how to make phone calls. I know this because I read one of your most recent LinkedIn posts talking about it. So here's what I did. I talked to a couple of your managers and I found out that although you're doing a lot of training, it doesn't seem to be sticking the way that you want it to, which is impacting your results. Let's hop on a call. I can share some of the ways we're helping a few other companies solve this. Whether you work with us or not, it might be worth the conversation. Let me know when you're available, Jason. Okay, here's what I know. Here's what I did or what I'm doing because of what I know. Here's what I found out about you, your company, your team. Here's the impact of what I found. Here's a simple call to action. Okay, the KDFIC method. No did found impact call to action. One call to action. Now, a few calls to action. So I have a few emails here. I told you I'm gonna get tactical. I'm, sh- I'm showing things. So this was an email I got from Sue. One of the best prospecting emails I've gotten in a long time. I'm gonna continue to bring this example up because he did a phenomenal job. Hey, KD, already better than hi, Kevin. No one calls me Kevin, right? Like my mom barely calls me Kevin, right? Like, KD, already, I'm like, all right, this person might know who I am. Kyle Coleman says hello. He said he'd come after you if you don't read every word of this email. Okay, is that going to get me to open an email if I see Kyle Coleman says hello? I'm good friends with Kyle. So I'm going to open this email. Given the circumstances of the space you're in, it's understandable that times are tough. Emotion, but I don't question the leadership patient pot has when I read your post. Be a damn buffalo and run towards the storm. Relevancy. My question is if the tools you're currently using can handle the storm and run with you to drive success. With leadership plus Clary's leverage, you can become KD versus the Cavs, unstoppable. (laughs) Here's a short white paper with a video, value, about how sales leaders are using insights to coach their reps effectively and run through the storm together. I hope we can find some time to connect when things settle down. Notice, no ask. No ask. No, can I find 20 minutes on your calendar? I'm hoping we can find some time with things that will settle down to discuss science of sales, accuracy, pipeline, predictable revenue. Pura Vida, Sue. Parentheses, Kyle told me you love Costa Rica. This is one of the best emails I've ever gotten. And it follows the KDFIC almost to the letter, right? And then people are like, oh, well, you only responded because of Kyle Coleman. No, Kyle Coleman didn't email me. I opened because of Kyle Coleman. That first sentence got my open. The rest of it was about me. That's the key to this email. Here's the one down at the end. Hey, Dr. Blasting, I wish I could lead with better news, but it looks like, do you think that email has a high open rate? Oh, yeah. Okay. If that's the first sentence they're reading, I wish I could lead with better news, but it looks like you're getting, it actually like cuts off right at about, it looks like you're getting outranked. And you've done a lot of tests, right, KD, on, I think I've heard you talk about with like testing first lines instead of the subject Mm -hmm. lines and has a big increase on the open rate. 
yeah, this like this, the subject lines are almost always the same early on. They almost always mm-hmm. include their name and my company name. Almost yeah. always. Cause I want the association. Even if you delete my email, you've heard a patient pop. Even if you delete it, you've heard it once, you've heard it yeah. twice, you've heard it three times, four times, right? Gets the open. It's clear you're committed to providing the best patient experience, but they can't consider working with you if you're not on page one. Education. In fact, personalization. If you could be the top results to get more Jews, would that be something you'd be interested in? Okay. Other one here. 84, 84% of patients read reviews and starting a search online. That first sentence. Who's it about? It's about them. There's no high. There's like it's high doctor. There's no me. There's no nothing. There's no you. It's like, look, you need to know this. This is why it's important. Here's where yours are at, right? No, did, found, impact, right? This was a short email. Like I'm pointing at my screen. Like you guys can see what I'm pointing at. Short email on the left, a little bit longer email on the right, right? Sue's email to me is a relatively long email, yep. but it works, right? So these are some examples on call to action, right? Stop with the 20-minute meeting request. It's not, if, if it were that easy, you just send that out all day. Watch this video. Would this be the worst idea? Going for the no. And I have an example of this on the next slide. If not, just let me know. Read this article. It's not always about the meeting, right? It's about starting the conversation. Back to the very first slide. You're trying to get a conversation going. One of my favorite calls to action is like, hey, if you don't have this problem, just let me know. If you don't struggle with this, let me know. Jason, if your reps are like 100% motivated every single day, I can't help you. Just let me know. That's a very disarming thing to say too, because I, I think people, especially in VP and C-level positions, there's the ego there. And it's like, I always use a personal training analogy. If you were trying to be a personal trainer for someone, you wouldn't say, hey, Kevin, you're kind of looking out of shape, man. I could definitely help you. You'd be like, dude, it doesn't matter how out of shape you are. You'd be like, get away from me, man. <laughs> it's like, whoa, hey, easy, easy, right? Yeah. Like, and there was one, so I'll use this example. One of my reps put together an email that was like, would you trust your heart to a one-star review doctor? Ooh. And I was like, God, it. <laughs> like, whoa, like, okay, will that get an open? Yes. Are you going to get a lot of positive responses to that? No. Even if the email is right, you're like, good Lord. Like, ouch, you can't yeah. do that. Okay. Like, that's not <laughs> what I mean around like problems. You can't just call people's baby an ugly baby. Like, you got to uh, work around it a little bit. But it's things like this where, but this is like that. Bold. Let me know. No, dude, I, once I found that email, I was like, oh my God, no, we're going to shut that one down. Okay. But this is why you have to optimize, why you have to look, right? Okay. High open rate, low response rate. I'm like, what is this email? Oh my God. Yeah. Delete. <laughs> Never again. Like, please stop. Okay. But this is what I like with the just let me know close is just let me know if you don't have this problem. Not let me know if you're not interested. Not let me know if the timing is wrong or right. Hey, if you don't struggle with rep motivation, just let me know. And the beauty of this, by the way, if they say back, yeah, like, dude, like my reps are good. They're, They're highly motivated all the time to prospect. Your conversation started. You can respond back and go, Jason, that is, dude, that's amazing. How are you doing that? Every VP I talk to right now is struggling with it, but you're not. How are you doing that? Now you're pulling into ego a little bit. Now they're like, oh, well, this I do. It's like, oh, you do it like that. Okay, so it's working, but you could maybe make this sort of change and get X. Have you tried? Now we're in a conversation, right? So this is an example that Josh Braun actually posted after a podcast that we were on, right? 30-word email. 
Beth, would it be, would you be opposed to automating some admin work, stuff like setting up new employees, payrolls, whatever, accessing a 50% reduction in manual processes? KD, would it be a ridiculous idea to provide copywriting training for your SDRs? SDR team at accessing an uptick cold email response rates. Right? This is such a beautiful little framework, right? And you can test each and every one of these. Long email, short email, long email, short email. You can go back and forth and see what works, but it has social proof. It stands out. It's leading with that note. And notice that first sentence. What did he do? It all runs together. It's not high KD and then the spacing. It runs together. So you can see all of it right there. You could read almost the entire email. Read almost the entire email without even opening the email, right? You still have to open it to respond. Now we get to email writing 2.0, okay? Images and videos, as long as it doesn't affect your um, deliverability, which you have to keep an eye on. Images and videos can go a long ways. Cliffhangers and curiosity builders. Tell them you're gonna reach out again if you don't hear back. Tell them, hey, the next one, I actually have a pretty cool video coming your way. Either or language. Either you're dealing with this or you're not. Either you care about rep productivity or you don't. Either you want to look good online or you don't, right? Either or. You make them pick a side, right? It's no bland. It's no what. It's like, dude, either you care about this kind of stuff or you don't. And that's fine. If you don't care about this, dude, just let me know. I'll never reach out to you again. Problem-based language, which we talked about. No such thing as long or short. Interesting or uninteresting. Valuable or valuable. You're going to want to mix it up. Emails and cadences should look like mountain ranges, right? So peaks and valleys, right? There's some that are long, some that are short, some that are long, some that are short, but it should move up and down, right? They can't all be short and they can't all be long, right? Because you need to see what works well, not only for your personas, but for your prospects. Maybe you prefer short emails. Yeah. What if I prefer longer emails, right? So this is there. And then do you struggle with X? It's one of my favorite one-liners. Do you even struggle with this? Let me know. What you're going for is that text message response. They see it, they just respond back, yes or no. Do you struggle with this? Do you struggle with rep motivation? Do you struggle with seeing enough patients? Right? Do you struggle with email reviews? Do you struggle with email response rates? Just let me know. Right? Short and sweet, right? But you can do things like this. Okay? Fill in the blank personalization. Stop being Marketo knockoffs. If you're not personalizing, you're not needed. I know that sounds harsh, but I'm going to say it. If you're not personalizing, you're not needed. I can write templated emails. Okay. You need to be doing the personalization. Now there's a big difference between personalized and customized. Personalized means only the person could read it and it makes sense. Customized means a persona could read it and it makes sense, right? Insert company name, insert title, insert whatever. That's customized. Personalized is what Sue sent me. No one else could have gotten that email and it makes any sense. Because no one else wrote a post about buffaloes. Yes, I wrote a post about buffaloes. Go read it. It was a fun one. Yeah, it's a good post. Personalized versus customized. Now, notice what I have here. I have the personalization built into the email templates. They can't send this email if they don't change these things. Because it's big and it's ugly and you have to put it there, right? If you're not filling in the blanks, you're not needed, right? If you're mass blasting, you're asking for trouble. And this is what salespeople do. They'll send 100 emails out and get one back and be like, yeah, that worked. But you got 99 that didn't. Yeah. And it hurts your domain. And then they ignore you because that first two to three emails you got were awful. Now I never open your emails, right? So 
snippets are a great thing to do here, by the way. So snippets, this is where you, you stop writing the same email over and over again. What are things that you could say to different personas? What are the different objections that you know you get? What are the case studies you like to use? What are your best testimonials? So when you're building these emails, you can quickly just pull them in, right? You can pull them in. What can you teach your persona, right? And if you have like a sales loft or an outreach, you can build this in. If you don't, you just do it like this. I actually have examples here. It's just in a Google Doc. Here's some of our best testimonials. Use them when you can, right? Like, what are the best testimonials? Okay, you're going after a dentist. Here are our dentist testimonials. Oh, you're going after an ortho. Here are ortho testimonials, right? That's some customization that you can do very easily, but you want to make sure that the testimonials apply to who you're talking to, right? Because if you're coming after me, VP of sales at Patient Pop, and you're saying, hey, I work with, you know, Jason over at Facebook. Do you think that matters to me? that you helped Facebook's sales team or Adobe's sales team. You have to find things that matter to the persona you're going after, but building out these snippets and having them ready to go makes personalization at scale much easier because you're using the same ones for the different types of personas. Now we get to 301, priming words. This is some of my favorite, All right? This comes from Methods of Persuasion by Nick Kalenda, an amazing book. Um, using the words that you want them to be thinking or feeling open, responsive, flexible, curious, creative, putting those types of words in have proven to increase people's likelihood to open things, respond to things, be curious, have a flexible mindset, creative. It's crazy what you can do with words. They did an experiment where they had two groups of people and one group was getting words associated with older things like bingo nursing home, wheelchair, all sorts of things like that. They walked slower after the experiment. Oh, wow. Okay. They didn't know what the experiment was. They were doing like crosswords or whatever. And the mm -hmm. crosswords that had the words associated with being old walked slower after the experiment. Wow. That's what words can do. It's why I'm such a hound on words. So what do you want people to do to your open, to your email? Open it. Can you find a way to put open in that first sentence? Can you find a way to insert things where you want them to do it, right? The specific calls to action, click this, watch this, click for the cookies I talked about. Pay attention to what the best B2C marketers do. Yeah, Read their one. emails, yep. right? Because they know how to talk to people. Salespeople try to write emails for companies and personas. B2C marketers write emails to people and they know how to write great emails. The sales loft data I shared earlier, don't fight the data, okay? Like don't fight it. This is something that you need to do. So here's some examples. Look at all these emails. Can I show you? Can I help you? Your requested demo, Patient Pop Plus Company, just left you a message. Google yourself and see. I did it for you. Reputation is everything. Google sucks. You think that one has a good open rate? Google sucks. Has a great open rate. People are like, what is that? This one here. Are you the best at what you do? This is an education email. And all we're trying to do is educate here. Are you the best at what you do? I'm sure you think so, but you need to make sure Google does too. Google, mobile searches for best have grown over 80% over the next two years. That means people aren't just searching for doctors, they're searching for best doctors. I'm educating them on things that they may not know about, all right? Bonus here, we're coming up on time, so I wanna make sure I'm getting through all these here, but bonus videos, videos are great if you're doing them the right way, especially now in like COVID times because everyone's saying lead with empathy. You can't sound empathetic in an email, but you can with a video, 
You can sound empathetic, right? You can get your message across, right? You can, per, every email should be, per, every video should be personalized. But if you can show them how your product works or how you solve a problem, right? So Jason, could you show them a clip of how you do a training? Could you show them a clip of how people are motivated? Could you show them a clip of people actually like, yo, like this is amazing, right? Can you show them through video? Now, this is important though. People are like making videos and like holding up a whiteboard and be like, Kevin, <laughs> that's not what gets me to sign, right? Sorry, that's not what gets me to watch. You have to sell me on why to watch the video, right? Sell me on why to watch it. Dude, at 15 seconds, I break down exactly how we do this, right? In here, you're gonna get five things that I think you could go use tomorrow, even if you don't work with us, right? Yeah. Sell me on why to watch the video. When does it happen? What's the summary? What plus how plus proof equals selling. If you can show me what your product does and how it does it with some proof, that's the next step to getting things done, right? Sell them on what you want them to do. Next two things here, have some fun, y'all. Have some fun, okay? Search your persona meme, gifts, VP of sales meme, VP of sales gift, funny VP of sales shirts, mugs, VP of sales jokes. What does VP of sales hate? What's the worst part of being a VP of sales? Rewrite some popular songs, right? From your persona's generation. Like have some fun with this. We did this contest internally. Who could make the best meme we could send to doctors? And we had a blast with this. And the doctors thought it was funny. Here are two examples, right? This is when going after home services. You know what a lot of home services people hate? Duct tape. Everyone tries to fix things with duct tape. So we put a duct tape meme. Are, is duct tape software holding your business together? Okay, this one over here. Doctors, please don't confuse your Google search with my medical degree. Okay, doctors think that's funny. We're actually sending this on coffee mugs now because doctors are like, this is amazing. All right, so have some fun with these things. Like you just have to, you guys. Sales is hard enough. Why not mix it up from time to time? Why not have some fun? Okay. Last two slides here, optimize or die. So everything you just said here, cool. It might flop for you. You got to test it the next time and tweak it. Which one does have the best open rate? Steal a subject line of the first sentence. Which one has the highest response? Move it up in your sequence. If you have a high response rate with a low open rate, go find the first sentence that's getting the best open rate. Combine it with the email that's getting the best response rate, right? But take time, block a day. Write 12 emails, block a day and write 12 email formats. There you go. Now test them every single week. If you don't know how, work with a professional. If you don't have time, say it's like work with someone, work with RevShop, work with um, Jason, work with a Josh Braun, like work with someone because this is your email. This is your brand going out, right? Have contests, right? Like who can write the best email? I love Shakespeare awards who wrote the best email. I love looking at the reps emails or any of them beating my emails. If so, boom, here's a gift card and congratulations. That's now in the cadence because it's working. Everyone who is listening to this, please test this, test these emails. Okay. That's the key here. So recap. I know we covered a lot. Empower your reps to fill in the blanks and have some fun. Speak the language of your customers, tell stories and be interesting. Focus on the problems of your prospects, not your product. Be everywhere and never forget you're selling to people. All right. So with that, thank you very much. We're right up on the hour here. Um, for more trainings like this, I do have a Patreon group. I would love for all of you to join. Like I do more of these types of things in there too, but thank you for your time and attention. Y'all I hope this was valuable. Dude. This is a freaking masterclass in cold email and psychology. I dropped oh, that link to the Patreon. Uh, Thank you. And I know 
Katie's underselling the Patreon. He's got like almost 500 people in there in like a month or two or whatever. But the content, it's these 10 bucks a month. You're going to get access to the very best stuff. And he runs trainings on a monthly basis. Um, and you're just going to get, because people were asking, hey, does Katie got a book? <laughs> and there might be one coming in the future, but the Patreon's yeah. the next best thing <laughs> right now. So For sure. go check it out. Um, Katie, this was awesome, man. I really appreciate you coming on. And we're going to have the replay of this available later tonight. I'll get it uploaded. And if you got value from this, my ask is share it with one person. The replay, yeah. all of this stuff is free. Share this with one person that you think would find value, a coworker, a friend, someone that's doing this type of stuff. And make sure to tune in next week. We have Bryn Tillman talking about LinkedIn, Josh Braun's talking about objections, Jeremy Levier from Lead IQ and Alexine Moudoir are doing a panel together. They're both SDRs and AEs. Um, so make sure to tune in next week. But KD, this was super awesome, man. I appreciate you spending the time with us today. Appreciate y'all. Thank you very much. All right. Have a good one. Later, everyone. That was an awesome one. One of the big things that I took away, the biggest thing actually, and I did this right, I would say maybe the week after this presentation. So at the time of recording this, this podcast is going out, I think maybe three or four weeks after this webinar uh, went live, his customer interview framework, just those basic questions of what problem were you hoping to solve? You know, those simple questions Asking those of your customers and getting that language and like what the before picture looked like, dude, it just 10x is the effectiveness. Literally 10x is the effectiveness of your cold outreach. Your emails get better. You talk uh, better during sales calls and your cold calls sound a heck of a lot better as well. So that's my big takeaway. Customer interviews, make sure you're talking in your prospect's language and you give some really good questions that you can ask there. I uh, appreciate you tuning in today. Uh, favor I have to ask of you is if you liked this interview, please share it with someone else. If you uh, want the more visual element of this and to look at the deck and like all that other stuff, check it out at tour.blissfulprospecting.com. You can catch the replay there. And like I said, share it with one person. If you know one salesperson, one sales professional, or maybe your boss that's looking to get better at this stuff or that is struggling with cold outreach, send this their way. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon.